Tutorial Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, Georgia. With me here today, Princess Peach, my mom. Hey. So, we had people, um, or we had my mom play some games over the weekend. Yes. Um, and some homework, and um, the games in which we played were um, any Mario Kart that you had available. It didn't really mm-hmm. matter which version. Uh, Mario Party, which we didn't get a chance to play necessarily, but I have put a video up um, for all three of the games that we that we're talking about here on our website with people playing them. And now these are people who do have some experience playing them, and they're not professional players of these games by any means, but they're all having. It's fun. not like Switch. No, no, no. So, uh, but they're all having fun, and we just finished playing a, cu- a little bit of Super Mario Brothers One. Yes. And so, what did you think of that? Okay, well, first of all, let me let me just say, my my eight year old granddaughter can beat me at Mario Kart. It's okay. It's it, no, it's it's really pretty debilitating. Um, but um, watching watching your brother get in your brothers getting into Mario Kart's a, a hoot as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, they're pretty competitive. Jeez. Um, we don't like to lose. Don't like to lose. But um, no, that's a lot of fun because you get to go through through sort of the universe's change as you go along. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay, so we just got done playing playing the original the, Mario. The original Super Mario Brothers. Super yes. Mario Brothers on um, on a Switch. And I could totally I could totally see getting into that. Oh, yeah. Um, because um, I got smaller and bigger. Um, that was eating mushrooms. Um, and uh, much, much like Alice in Wonderland with the mushroom thing, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I finally figured out how to double stomp. Um, the, what are those things? Those are known as Koopas. Koopas. Oh, that's what a Koopa is. Because Koopa looks really different in Super Mario Kart. So the, so the turtles are known as Koopas. Uh, the mushroom guys, I always forget what their names are. They're like the bad version of Toad. Okay. Um, I know in Japan they're known as Karibos, but I know that's not what they're typically known as here in America. Um, they're they're just they're just the little dudes. They're little dudes. They got like angry little eyes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very intentional. Okay, so trying to figure out. So so I'm a neophyte, which is why I I absolutely suck at Mario Kart. Um, I'm a neophyte at using the the joysticks. So that's getting takes some getting used to mm-hmm. and i'm just dealing with a and b and forwards one of the things that surprised me is you can't go backwards you only go forwards so in this only version, go to your right so in this one yeah for the hardware that limitation at the time for when the super mario first came out they only let you move in one direction because really only what they could program at the time they would get much better at coding and programming these games much later on to do quite so quite a bit of cool stuff at it but for the time being, they were very limited in what they could do with the with the hardware. So we're, you can go you can you can go backwards a couple steps, but you can't go backwards off the screen. No, once you once the screen progresses forward at a certain point, you can't go backwards. Backwards, okay. And um and and slowly figured out how to how to jump. It got more natural. I think I think there's there's sort of a inherent thing, like patting your head and rubbing your st- your stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's sort of an inherent thing about pressing a button while pushing a knob. Yeah. That takes some getting used to. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, with my left hand, I'm, I'm pushing a knob, and with my right hand, I'm punching two buttons. I'm going to assume that this gets a whole lot more complex because there are two knobs, one for left and right, 
and there are four buttons. So I'm on a switch. So so what I'll say here is that on the switch, um, has all these extra buttons for a lot of other games that utilize right. all these functions. Um, thankfully, for the most part, a lot of Mario games don't actually use a lot of those buttons. Um, I think Odyssey is probably the one that's on the Switch right now is probably the most to use a collection of all the, to use more of those buttons. But a lot of the ways they use the buttons is also to kind of manipulate with the camera. But it primarily uses just a few, only only a few buttons real, realistically for most Mario games. Okay. Um, and we should say that we're using the Switch because that's the most current version of uh, Nintendo architecture and hardware that's available right now. It's also very portable at the same time, which makes it very easy to take it with you to different places. It literally has a kickstand on the back so you could prop it up and hold in and, and so you so you could prop it up on and, a table or something to and 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 the joysticks on either side actually detach. So what's unique about the switch is that you know, on the side of it they have what they call the Joy-Cons. There's a right one and a left one. And what you could do is you could pop off both of them and continue to play the game as though you needed both of them to play. So in some cases you might need both of the controllers to play some games. You would use both of them at the same time. Um, they have also got, um, accelerometers and rumble elements in them. So as an example, uh, for Mario Odyssey, in which you have to flick Cappy all the time, which is a little hat mm-hmm. element to flick it towards stuff. If you had the actual controllers out, you would flick it with your wrist and it would flick the hat forward for you. Oh, that's pretty cool. So we, Mind you, for the number of times you do it, it gets really repetitive. So I don't usually—that's why I don't usually do it. Uh, but what's nice about it as well is that if you hold it sideways, there's little buttons at the top here as well. So it mimics a standard, um, what I would say is a standard uh, Super Nintendo controller. Oh. So you have, or, or even just a regular standard Game Boy um, SP or Advance controller as well. So you have the ability to kind of push both buttons at the top. You have the diagonal stick, which is not exactly centered in the middle, but, you know, it's enough there that if you had a party game, you could use it with this. I mean, you can play Mario Kart with this, and I've played Mario Kart on these little controllers before pretty easily. And so, it's, it's a pretty neat concept because really when you look at the size of it, it's, this, it, you know, it's, it's thick, it's certainly thicker, but... It's about the size of a of of a large format cell phone. Yeah, with like joysticks the, on either end. Yeah, like if you took the joysticks off, it'd probably be as big as like a like an Apple like the Apple Ten or the Apple Eleven sort of cell phone, a little thicker. But then you had like the joy the Joy-Con elements and or controllers on the other side, and so they um, obviously make it a lot wider. But you can well, take those off. I really like the idea. I mean, like you could take that on a plane. Oh, I have taken taken this on a plane multiple times. This is. My favorite console to travel with, if I have to. Yeah. Um, I've admittedly taken this with um, when I've done DoorDashes, when I'm waiting for orders, and I'll just hang out with it in the car and play a game. And, oh, I got an order. Great. I'll put it down. You know, I can put it on sleep mode and go do my order and then come back. Um, what's nice about it as well is it has the universal uh, C-type connector at the very bottom. So you can plug in a charging cable to this. Like you would um, for most Android phones now that are using the C-type uh, USB. Yeah. And you can start charging it right away. It's, I'm, I'm actually pretty impressed with that. You know, but how much how much should I expect to pay for that? Um, they're retailing anywhere from about uh, $249 to $299, depending okay. on the type of model that you get. Um, and they have deals all the time that come out with this. In a lot of cases, they'll come out with games and stuff like that. 
Um, if you have the ability to, I always recommend getting a refurbished model in some cases because um, they'll generally cost a, a bit less over time. They'll cost less to get it. And you can kind of ensure that a refurbished means that it has all the working parts in it still and it's been checked to make sure it's, sure it's still in good I, working I, order. Yeah, I've bought, I've bought cameras that way where it was camera equipment that I really wanted that was going to be much more expensive new. Yeah, and... and, and, and it's not a it's it's not a it's a it's a big investment to get. Don't get me wrong, because all the games are about sixty dollars each in a lot of cases, okay. and there's a lot of games that you can actually get you can download directly onto the system. So while they have little cartridges you can get for it, you can also just download them directly. Uh huh. Thankfully, they have this nice little um, Super Nintendo and Nintendo element that we were using that just has a whole bunch of their old catalog on there, free to play. Okay. And they have a bunch of, and they have some other free games you can get online. But if you want to play like the Mario Kart, the Mario Mario Odyssey, or At, uh, Animal Crossing, Animal Crossing, which I am just getting into right now, um, Life Simulator. Yeah. It really is. You you have debt and everything. It's hilarious. That's kind of fun. I actually, you know, so so and and this is this is not to do with Mario, but to go to do with. Uh, Animal Crossing and SimCity and some of those others. And mm-hmm. um, your nieces play Minecraft quite a bit. Yes, they do. I actually think that's a good idea because it. Act, I, I think it gets young people who aren't, um, who, you know, you don't take a class in, in high school as to all the impacts of, of everything you do and what you, ha- and that get you thinking about everything you need to have to have a successful business a successful city a successful whatever mm-hmm. and i think those those types of games actually build some of that build some of that understanding of oh Con- you, consequences yeah there's not i i find that in school and not necessarily in a general sense but there's a lot of there's a lot of punishment for telling you what you did wrong with never a lot of explaining what what you did wrong just so much as you got this wrong Great. Well, what, how, can you explain what was right about it? No, you failed the knowledge check. Yeah. And a lot of life is about understanding the cause and effect. And right. and I yeah. and I really do believe that. Um, you can't really know what the co- what, what will what the effect will be if you don't understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. You yeah. know, unless you just want, unless you're just that kind of person that's just like, all right, I throw a ball. Okay, it did that. Now I'll throw a ball harder. Okay, now it did that. Like. But you don't understand why. But you have to kind of understand why you're doing it because it'll understand. You'll make you understand the effect of it, um, the effect that'll happen. It's often why I find people who, I love the phrase. You know, when parents go to discipline their kids, the quite the their their often statement is, you know, why did you do that? Didn't you, why didn't you think about that beforehand? And the child's like, well, the child never speaks up and is like, I didn't know what was going to happen. It didn't understand what eight. the consequences were. Yeah. So I mean I think those kinds of simulation games actually build some some awareness that that uh, that in order to, to have this you have to provide for this, this and this. Yeah. And I like a lot of the again a lot and a lot of those computer games like SimCity really do also give you quite a bit of muscle and eye coordination with a mouse, which is certainly in certainly even with like a tablets nowadays as well, it gives you a lot more hand-eye coordination which is becoming far more necessary as we as as we move into this digital age in a lot of cases it, yeah it wouldn't surprise me in another 20 years if we stop having you know there's a like as an example there's a big push right now in hotels which is what i primarily worked in or rather working excuse me um to phase out 
the paper newspaper. Yeah. Because we would order, you order 10 in a day and like they, they go super quick, they go super quickly. But like, it's a lot of days you'll have a lot of extras. And again, we ordered 10 newspapers and we have like seven, five or six left at the end of the day. So it's silly to have, you know, and we're trying to push this online reader format because it's much easier. People can read it on their phone, they read it on their tablet, read it on their computer at their leisure, but a lot of people still love that feel of the newspaper in their hand. Well, what's interesting when you say that is, is uh, in business hotels anyway, um, it used to be that every morning there'd be a USA Today. In front of your door. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember having those USAs today and putting them out in front of doors in some, yeah. in some hotels I worked at. Yeah. Um, which is less and less common. Yeah. So, so um, you know, back to, back to this topic, I, I agree with you. I think everything becomes digital. Um, I think, I think this, the switch is just brilliant mm-hmm. because it takes something that we're used to having in our hands. It's the size. It, it is just the size of a large format cell phone. With joysticks on the end, mm-hmm. and you can take the joysticks off to to, to, right. walk, to walk around right. with it. Well, and it I'm easier. used to having a, a a cell phone on a stand. If I'm doing Zoom or something like that, mm-hmm. I've got the cell phone on a stand. Yes. So so it takes something I'm already comfortable in using, mm-hmm. and um, and gives it a different element. That's uh, I mean that's actually that's brilliant. Yep, I, I love the switch a lot. It's a great little tool. It's a great little tool to have. Um, it's it's about as powerful as a PS4 and an Xbox One in a lot of cases, just without the CD interface and the massive hard drive. But again, I mean, like for what it is, it kind of I think it, they believe it comes with about a uh, sixty to eighty gigabyte um, sp- uh, space in it. But you can very easily upgrade that for like I, I went online and bought a micro SD card for twenty five bucks, thirty dollars with taxes. Yeah. It's going to double the size of my memory on the on the system, and again, that's that's like thirty dollars is for thirty dollars. Just basically, I'm paying like a quarter for every gig. It's not the end of the world. It's it's yeah, very no, very I, very reasonable. Yeah, no, I, I do that on cameras. So where I'm getting the yeah, larger flashcards. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there was a reason why I picked. I wanted you to play Super Mario Brothers, and there was a reason why I didn't explain to you what you were doing when you were doing it. No, you just let me fail. <laughs> Really, it took me. I, I did get to the end of the first episode, but I I probably p- played seven, eight, t- nine times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, before I got there, so um, there's this. Uh, so I I linked a video in our in my original. They gave original me post. no clues whatsoever, except this is jumping. This moves you forward. Yes. Um, there, uh, so there's a great little video that does go about how when they designed the when they designed the game, they made a lot of they were very efficient about stuff. So, the clouds are the, the clouds are actually literally the same graphics as the bushes that are on the ground. The only difference is that the bushes don't crunk, climb up as much, and the bushes are green as where the clouds are white. So they literally reused assets like that. But the design, even just that first little bit there, to teach you quite a bit that first off that you have to move, that yeah. you have to go to the right. Um, you have the ability to jump, and you can jump over enemies, or you can stomp on them to defeat them. Right. Um, there's the mushroom that you get, and the intention of that little narrow space in there that that where the mushroom comes out at is basically meant to say the mushroom always goes always goes to the right when you bump it, but. You can't, if you thought it was a bad guy, you were trying to jump over it, you actually physically couldn't jump over it 
because of where the little because if you tried to jump over it while you were in that narrow corridor, yeah, you'd go you jump right into it. Okay. So the game. So when they were designing that game, they were actually very very smart about developing um, the level in such a way where you had to pass certain skill checks to get forward past it. So you had to be able to jump over the pipes, and you had to know, oh, if I hold the button down longer, I jump higher. If I'm if I'm if I'm moving forward to jump the pit, I have to jump. I have to run and then jump the pit. You know. Well, and there you're back. We're back here to my my patting your head and rubbing your tummy comment mm-hmm. because it 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 would take me a while to have it be natural. Yes, it would. To to be both pushing something and and. and Pumping something else with my thumb um, to get that right, and that's okay. To have I mean, that be natural. If you remember when we were playing World of Warcraft, you would yeah. move the character and then you would do the actions. You're right for that, and a lot in in a lot of cases, one of the tricks we'll teach you when, if we play when we play World of Warcraft again is to move while using is not to move while clicking on the ground, but you can actually move with the with some keys and then push buttons at the same time. There's, what, what I find very interesting about video games, um, which is a lot more tricky for people for who don't, in your case, or not have not been in it for a while, is that there is an inherent um, learning that you do when you play video games that comes rather naturally to you as you're playing over time. There's an um, inherent knowledge or knowledge that you get from video games. Some examples might be um, moving. You know, video games always move from the left to the right. The reason for that is that we're we have a dominant right hand, and so we and when we count numbers, as example, we count from left to right typically. Well, and we read. We read right to left, but keep in mind in Japan they read up and down. That's true. So they read up and they they read up and down, and occasionally from left to right as well. Um, so there's there's things like that. Um, we always want power ups because those make us stronger or make us last longer. Um, there's an element of uh, knowing that. Red is usually a bad color in a lot of cases. But I turned red and white at one point. You did, and you got a fire flower, and I really wanted you to throw a fireball and to watch your face when you when you threw that. When How you threw would a fireball. I throw a fireball? If you press B instead of A. Really? Yeah. See, this is what happens, and nobody tells me what to do. And again, yeah, that's I the, lose out on opportunity. And mind you, this was it was somewhat intentional because I wanted to let you learn it on your own because it would be more memorable it would be more impactful for you because i imagine if i if i left you this game and told you play it for just like 20 minutes every day and then over the course of the week how far can you get i'd imagine you'd get through the first level by the end of the week it'd be a slog for you to do it but you would eventually do it and you'd be able to get through later levels as well yeah well i mean and, and this brings up a whole different thing um that i've been curious about uh and that's that there's there's the new science, as it were, mm-hmm. the new psychology, which is cognitive science, which is how the brain works and how the brain responds to things. Yes. And that goes into, I was reading an article in the Wall Street Journal of all places um, that was talking about um, what it takes now to design games, that there's a lot of that cognitive science that takes place in the design because you have to understand what people's natural intuition is to do and it does talk about the difference between um old gamers and new gamers yes and it draws a distinction between people who learned on the early learned gaming 30 years ago 
and people who are who who are born into it now where their experience of things that are digital is so much different yes um and that the two two cognitively think very differently and approach digital very differently and yet you're designing games that work for both so there's there's it was an interesting article because it was talking about um cognitive uh intuition being the next big avenue um if you were going to um switch careers now that that would be a place to go oh absolutely because again um I mean, for and and while I can mostly speak for myself, I mean, would love to get my niece's take on this. Perhaps if they, if they're capable of explaining to us properly, we may have to wait a few years for that. Mm-hmm. Um, that a lot of that is inherent knowledge from video games. I know when I pick up a video game, I have a fairly good understanding of what to do next. In most cases, that I'll understand intuitively because in, intuitively, yeah. you know, I'll be able in and myself included. Like I love massively i love mmos like world of warcraft and i play yeah. i you know like it, it, i've joked to myself if i've ever get tattoo i'm just gonna get a list of all the different games i've played and when one of the games just fails or i stop playing it i'll just put it i'll just have a tattoo with an x over it and then whatever the next one is and just have the icons of as they would be on like my windows on yeah. windows which i think would be kind of interesting which i would think would be kind of funny yeah. um but I know when I go into one of those games, I can kind of already look at the like the UI as an example, the layout of all the, where everything is, and be like, okay, that's that. This is this. This is where this is. Okay, and, and I can make it. I can understand what it is relatively quickly. This is not something that would come naturally to a lot of other people, though, who who don't experience those games all the time. Well, what what would be an interesting um, comparison would be. How how gaming companies design for Facebook, where you have an older audience playing versions of Solitaire and versions of um, Tetris and, and Bejeweled, um, because most of the games that are on there are versions of those things. Yeah. Um, and and clearly those games are designed for an audience that's sixty and up, or fifty and up, mm-hmm. an older audience. And and how you design for that, where the graphics don't have to be anything. You're just dropping pieces of fruit or candy yeah, they, crush. They, yeah, they don't. They don't have one to. of those. And um and and I mean, if you play Candy Crush, it's it's pretty intuitive until you get get up a couple levels where you've got things doing bizarre stuff. But yeah. Um, But what it what the what the cognitive difference is between designing for that and designing for what I would say is a pure gamer. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, and that's what I kind of like about Mario is that a lot of the games, including Mario Kart as an example, I think, which is the most prescient prescient one. Well, Mario Kart's such a hoot. It is, and but again, it's one of those games in which. I mean, I suck at it, and it's a hoot. But again, what's 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 interesting about that game is that it's very easy to pick up and play right away. It's, you know, you might have to go through a couple courses, a couple races before you truly understand the controls. I um, end up in the water, which is all right. <laughs> um, it's quite all right to fail. Fail is actually the best part of video games because failing tells you, okay, you failed. Try it again. 
Well, okay, and I, I would, I would go further and say, say that that uh, my strongest out attribute is a, is a willingness to fail, um, because it allows me to try all sorts of stuff. And it taught you something when you failed, and that you will. It, it, it might be something as simple as okay, avoid the water, or it might be, I need to jump at this particular point. But you learn something that'll move you on to the next point. Yeah. And what's great about a game like Mario Kart is that. There's a hidden level of depth that's into it that you that you intuitively get over time. That when you race the when you do enough of the races long enough that you'll eventually figure out, oh, there's these shortcuts here, or you'll learn, oh, I know what's coming up, so I'll take this turn better. Or you'll know that when you're in like first or second place, oh, I need to be careful of things coming to get me from behind, or I need to keep an eye out for certain stuff. So there's a skill level stuff will happen. Stuff will happen and there's a skill level that gets built up overtime and that's one of the reasons why i like mario kart is that well in super mario brothers you fail you just fail and you have to try that section all over again in mario kart you can come in last every single race and you'll get progressively better over time yeah and you're not you know and it's it doesn't stop it doesn't get you from that because we're in mario in the first in mario brothers you don't get to move on to the next level until you beat that first level and if you have problems beating that first level you never get to see the rest of the game but in Mario Kart, you can be in dead last every single race, and you'll get to go through the entire game regardless. Yeah, it's not. Mario Kart's one of those great games that doesn't gate you off from doing more content at all by limiting you to what you can do. You can do all of it right away. Well, I'm terribly conscious now of the importance of choosing your your uh, character well. Yes, and, and sometimes it is cute choosing your character well and understanding what it is that you're choosing i i now understand why you know your brother likes a particular character oh there's there's a reason i like one there's a reason i like one particular character but mostly because it's she's annoying and i (laughs) appreciate daisy daisy when you when you don't have any items with you and she's just itemless and she's just you know talking she's just like when she doesn't have any items, you go to use it, or you honk your horn. She does like everyone does, kind of a little emote. Like Koopa might grunt, and Mario might go, "Woohoo!" It's like, yeah. Daisy's like, "It's Daisy," and I'm just like, hey, "Yes, it is." <laughs> That's why I like Daisy. She's an asshole. So now we we have a we have a, 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 a we have a party here in our in our quarantine. He stares at us. Uh, yeah, he's staring at us. So so um, what is what is your your favorite uh, thing about Mario Kart? Blue shells. Blue shells. He likes blue shells, yes. He likes blue shells. Yeah. The blue shell which wrecks your life. Um, so, yeah. The other game I wanted to show was Mario Party because I enjoy the fact that you're playing a board game. Yeah. But Mario Party is all about you're playing a board game and so you move tiles and But spaces. you're playing a board game on an arcade. In an arcade mode. And you're playing it in such a way that... Because I, I, mean, I, I, watched, I watched some of the YouTube on this. Mm-hmm. And and I thought it was interesting that you're playing a board game, but but it's like playing a board game that is Santa Cruz Boardwalk. Yeah. If you would like, I do have the stuff to set up for us if we want. If we're getting an offer here from our our third party commentator that we do have stuff to be able to set up uh, Mario Party. I think we I think we might be a little beyond that point here right now. We can well, play it later. We, we'll play it later because that I, I would have fun. I when I saw it online, what I thought was really interesting was you it 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 
you had the the board game level, mm-hmm. and then you had all the little mini games. All the little mini games, and it's an interesting combination of of strategy, and speed, li- and luck. And luck, yeah. Yeah, and then there's a lot of luck in the case of. You know, do you get the right dice rolls to get as far as you want to go to get to to get coins? And other times it's a dice roll of, do I land in a spot that gives me coins or do I land in a spot that doesn't give me coins? Well, it points out it points out the difference between skill skill and strategy. Yes, and I thought that was an interesting component because you could have all because you could have all the worst luck in the world, but if you succeed at all the mini games, you have a shot of getting back into the game right away. So it's a good mixture of it. So if you're, if, there's been games in which I've had horrible luck, but been able to. Well, there's strategy with the board game too. Oh yeah, no, no, but again, just like bad dice rolls. I've had bad yeah. dice rolls in the past, and then got into the mini games and eked out what I could in the mini games, and then I've had other times where I've had amazing board game luck, and then just the worst mini games you could play. Yeah, and, then, it's a... and there's, and I liked Mario Party because there's a lot of gameplay that's in Mario Party that makes it. Very family friendly for a lot of people to play. This is not there. Well, there's a bit of a competitive nature. Um, it's a lot of competitive nature, not in that it's you against me. It's oh, we're all doing, our, we're all trying to do our best. Yeah, and that's what I liked about that. It, look, it looked like a ball. So one of the reasons I wanted to really talk about Mario was actually to talk about some more video game stuff as a whole. Okay. And one of the topics I really wanted to talk about was actually speed running. Speed running. So take a while. Guess what you think speed running is? It's not running while you're on speed. Okay, so it's not me, me like pressing the joystick and and hitting B. Sort of in some in some cases. Okay. So speed running is completing a game as fast as physic- as fast as you physically can. Okay, are you competing against somebody to do this? You can In a lot of cases, you are, but you're not competing against somebody. Directly. So, as an example, people play Super Mario. Screenshot or it didn't happen. Well, sometimes video or it didn't happen in a lot of cases. So, as an example here with Super Mario Brothers, there are people that play that game and are able to beat that game within about 10 minutes. Good good on them. Probably even faster. I, I mean, I don't know what the official Mario Brother one time is, but it's 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 in there. It's 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 pretty short. Okay. Uh, but these are people who, when they're playing the game, are making frame uh, multi-second sort of button presses. Uh huh. You know, within microseconds to make sure that they hit the jump in just the right way, so they land on the right pixel to to do whatever it is that they want to do for whatever next input is going to happen. They know. When every single character is going to be there, they know exactly what's going to happen within within a within a within a greater appreciation of that, or rather, they anticipation. know anticipation and greater anticipation. Like they know there's going to be a monster right here. They don't know if it's going to go up or down, maybe, but they know there's a mon- They know where all the monsters are. They know where all the blocks are. They've played this game a bajillion times, and. Um, speed running is actually very popular for a lot of, especially older games and some newer games as well, but a lot of older games are very popular for that. Um, because you've had time to memorize them. Nope. No. Um, so in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to older games, older games are a lot more, um, precise in the way that their inputs can go. 
So like they know if you if Mario jumps in if you make Mario jump, he's going to jump in that exact same way every single time you do it that way. So he's more predictable. Very more, much more predictable. There's there are games that require either um, a fair amount of skill or a great amount of skill. So they're games that reward you for if you play them long enough that you will complete them quicker or faster or that you'll be much better at it. Um, and then there's also an element um, known as um, RNG, which RNG basically is the randomness. It's um, when you are fighting, for as an example, it's when you're fighting a Pokemon and they have four different moves they could use and they keep using Growl all the time when they could be using Attack, which is a far more reasonable uh, ability. Okay. That's RNG. They could use any one of those four different abilities. Who knows which ability they'll use. Okay. Um, it's a certain level of randomness that's built into a game that makes it so that you're not always having to do the exact same thing. Because if you were doing, because if the game was the exact same way all the time, somebody would eventually memorize the exact way way to get through the entire game perfectly, and would just program and would just practice themselves doing that exact same input all the time. With RNG though, it makes it so that you have to be that not everything is always going to be perfect, so you have to have a little bit of uh, wiggle room to be able to to know, oh, when this happens, I now do this instead. And in some games, um, that could be a great element for them, but in a lot of speedrunning games, they prefer when that's, not, when that's minimized as best as possible, which is not always the case. There's a lot of games where there's RNG that we don't even know about. Um, like, for example... Uh, there's some video games that, depending on when you press start, will change elements of the game ever so slightly. Because it's based because it's a randomized element. So sometimes there might be, depending on when you press start in the game, it might have monsters spawn elsewhere versus some other places, or it might have um, some might this one creature instead of jumping up might go backwards instead. So is it is it predictable enough that that a uh... That a computer can figure out what it is. You could that a frequent a frequent player could figure out what it is. It's it's enough that a person who plays it frequently enough will know where all the enemies are and will expect what the enemies are going to do. Okay. Um, but there's literally an element called um, that's called a tool assisted speed run, and this is basically um, so one of the things you need to know about video games is what they call frames. You'll, you'll hear this often, there's a frame-perfect skip or there's a frame-perfect jump. And basically what that means is that anytime the pixel, every time like the screen moves forward in like Mario as an example, that's a frame. Okay. So usually a human brain can only input so many frames at a time. They have to, they can only see stuff at a certain speed. They have to literally intuit in like when they're going to, when like Mario is jumping, a person's pressing that button intuitively because they know... And when he drops down and then jump again and then jump again, he's not jumping based off of, okay, now I landed, now I jump again. He's intuitively knowing, I know I'm going to land now and then I'm going to do this now. Um, I, I liken it to walking in a lot of cases where like you're, you're walking and you never, you never watch yourself when you're walking. You never stare right. at your feet when you're walking. You always intuitively know, I move my left foot right, left, right, now, and know the exact things are going to happen. Then when you hit a bump in the middle, you're just like, whoa, what happened there? Yeah. How did I, how did yeah. I trip on that? And this is what gamers, in a lot of cases, are doing because they're doing it. They're doing it very intuitively, but they're doing it. In, like, but in this case, they're stepping on like the crack of the sidewalk as they're doing it. 
Okay. And they're sprinting while doing it. So they're intuitively knowing that they're hitting every single crack along the way, but they've got to kind of process, I've got to jump here and I'm now jumping this and they're doing that. Well, there's a lot of inputs that are not physically capable because we need a certain amount of reactionary time to press it. And at the same time, our our hands are not quick enough to press a button in some cases. So what ends up happening is that there's an element called a tool-assisted speedrun, which basically means every every microsecond that you can play the game, you can put add a new input in. So basically, you could program again. You a person who would program one of these tool-assisted speedruns could play Mario Brothers perfectly. That's not going to be me. We 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 no, both no, no, understand no, no, no. that. No, right? no, 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 no. I, I, these are mind you these are people that would spend like weeks to months building these because yeah. they're literally pausing yeah. the game because they're literally going from a state in which they've done this input and now they get to do another input and then another input and that might have just been the entire them jumping and, and over did, and, and these get retained in me- in memory because you save them so what they're doing is they're building all these inputs in a computer essentially and they're, okay. they're mainly playing on emulation software at this point but the emulation software is at this point, which is such a stent that it mirrors the original content. Because there's some things that just don't you just can't get anymore. Okay. Like it's very very hard to get original Super Nintendo with Super Metroid in it. That's just something that doesn't exist anymore. Okay. They're not making any more of it. And people who do have it, unless you know, it's very hard to get that. Okay. So a lot of people have to do collector's it on, item. Yeah, it's a collector's item at this point. So you could probably still get the the console, but. But even then, you don't know whether you're getting a one that's in a good condition or a bad condition. Yeah. Do all the electronics works? I mean, it is. It's practically a twenty-year-old gaming. It's a oh jeez, it's twenty. It's over twenty-five years old at this point. So you're getting old. Yeah, I am. Oof. I never thought that would happen. <laughs> um, Be- beats the alternative. So I mean, so they're playing it on. So emulation is a great tool, especially just for. Uh, retention of these old stuff because again i mean like to play old games you need to have the original console software in the game yeah you know for historical purposes emulation is the next best thing Um, but these computers can play these games with the player with another person programming in such a way that it either they do it in such a perfect way that they get the frame perfect elements every single time or they've done stuff that's been actually really funny with it well okay so if you give me license i'm snarky if you give me license to to do something, I I might build something in it. So as an example, I've seen a speed run where Mario was crouched the entire time while playing the game. So if you if you press downward, Mario kind of crutches up almost and squinches down a little. Yeah. I saw a person. I, I've seen like people he's preparing to jump. Like he's preparing to jump. I've seen a tool assisted speedrun where he does this all the time because what the system is doing. So he's looking is, like a stalker. Well, he's looking like he's like he's a small person the entire time. But what yeah. the game is doing is that it's constantly holding down the downward button, but it's also doing all the other inputs to continue to play the game. Yeah. And you should never see all those other inputs because you're seeing these downward inputs every single time that happens, and that's not, and that's just something that can only happen because the inputs are going in so fast that you can't see everything else. Okay, but, but I guess the question with this ability, so if you're simulating the game and and knowing what fandom is for other things. 
yes. and some of the places that fandom can take other things, I would imagine that this could be taken other places as well. Well, so so keep in mind that a tool assisted speedrun is in the in the concept of speedrunning. Uh, a tool assisted speedrun is just a unique way to play the game. It's just a right. It's just a fun way to play the game with having with by doing it as perfectly as you want to. What you might be talking about is people remaking or fan fan editing games. Yeah, which happens all the time in Super Mario, which used to happen all the time in Super Mario Brothers or Super Mario World, which was the Super Nintendo version. They had um, variants of the game, which thankfully now that Mario Maker is out, this is not as common anymore. But they had versions of the game in which if you didn't know how to play through it, it required you to do like all these frame perfect things all the time. So you'd have to grab a turtle shell, drop the turtle shell, jump up off the turtle shell, grab another turtle shell, jump off that as well. Like basically it's like traveling across a room with spikes. And I'll I'll see if I can link one of those videos in here. Um, but what's interesting about speedrunning is that there's a huge community for speedrunning. And there are people that literally will play all these games, the, sometimes these older games and some newer games as well. Like, but and when I was just going through, uh, when I was going through probably some of the more top uh, video games here for speedrunning, a lot of them were Super Mario Brothers 1, Super Mario Brothers 3, Super Mario World, Super Mario 64 is hugely popular for speedrunning. Um, you have Super Metroid, which is one of my favorite games. Um, Doom for the for the old PC. Quake, which is another PC game. These are f older titles from the early 90s. These are still very popular to play and run. Um, and you have some newer okay, games. Okay, so, so, so let me ask. Um, <coughs> and this goes, this goes back to the article that I read in Wall Street Journal that was mm -hmm. talking about old gamers versus new gamers. Who who is who are super runners? Are are they older players that that have have grown up on this, or do they tend to be younger players trying to uh, make an old thing new again? A little bit of both sometimes. Obviously, a lot more of the people who are playing the older games are going to be people of my age in their you know late twenties, early thirties, maybe even late thirties. They grew up with these games. That are these are uh -huh. games in which, if if you were to show me a speed run of like Super Metroid as an example, I can watch that and be absolutely amazed at people's skill when they're playing the game but if you were to watch it right now you'd just be like oh well that's how you play that's how you well this is a person playing the game at top level yeah. skill like this yeah. is how you play the game or and i can and if i were to watch other gate people playing like minecraft resident evil undertale like i have no idea how they play these games and so i wouldn't be impressed by the speed run speed running is Obviously, one of those things you appreciate if you play the game long enough or often enough that you have to you be can, pretty familiar with. It. Yeah, it's okay. a, yeah. There's, there's a certain level of appreciation for that. But uh, what's interesting about speedrunning in here is that they're not just completing the game in some cases perfectly. Sometimes it's about limiting yourself in some cases. Um, and some games let you, you create, like creating your own obstacle. Yes, actually. So there, so there's a com couple common speedrunning elements. So one of which is the any percent that's basically getting from start to finish as quick as possible. Uh -huh. But what any percent lets you do is that you can use glitches or or exploits in the game that are not that are not supposed to happen. These are so glitches are elements of the game in which are not perfect. 
they're you're so you're exploiting a flaw. Yeah, and sometimes these flaws might let you go underneath the ground in which you weren't supposed to go underneath the ground, or they might let you fly forever in which you weren't intended to fly. Yeah. And in Super Mario in Super Mario World, they can let you beat the game in exactly like 37 seconds <clears throat> through a co- very complicated set of inputs and actions that Mario does. Because so what happens in Super Mario World is that the way items are layered in are buffered in a certain buffer because they always remember where certain things are physically in the world. Uh-huh. So, like, if you leave a turtle shell somewhere, it always remembers that turtle shell was there until you go far enough. So, what you can do with Super Mario World is you can place the items in such a way that when you do one particular action, it accidentally triggers the end credits and lets you immediately get to the very end of the game. Well, that's kind of cheating. It is. It's very much. 80% is very much uh, cheating. Is cheating is whatever you can to get to the end of the game, so long as you are not outright cheating... Using whatever glitches and exploits, you have that ability. Um, there's the games for, as an example, that have like collectibles in them. There's the 100% run, which you got to collect everything. Is it like Easter egg collecting? or? Um, so like some games have, so as an example, Super Mario 64 has 120 stars that you need to collect. That's, that's the total number of stars that are in the entire game. And every world has uh, seven star, has six initial stars, and then a secret seventh star in it. And you have to go through the entire game, collect all the stars as well as the other stars around the world. So you don't need all 120 stars to beat the game, but in 100%, you can't beat the game until you've collected all 100% of the items. Um, there's also a low percentage in which you play the game intentionally with getting the most minimal amount of those items that you need. So it might be um, skipping over some objects or some bosses or missing out entire upgrades or collectibles to just beat the game as quick as possible with the most minimal amount needed. Um, And then there's the glitch list, which means you play the game as intended. Okay. Which is the way I think you should play a game. Yeah. Um, And then there's challenge mode, which might ask you to do... Um, challenges or have or play the game in such a certain way as an example might be that um, in let's say like um, in Super Mario Brothers you never collect a single coin now the coins are the coins in Super Mario Brothers is that if you get a hundred of them you get an extra life and they add to your score at the end of the game Um, but one example might be you never collect a single coin or in Mario Kart you never uh, you never collect a, uh, you never go through an item box ever. You avoid all the item boxes. Why would you want to do that? Because it makes it more challenging and more difficult. Yeah. So you're creating your own <coughs> obstacles. Yeah. So you're, are you creating your own kind of um, challenge at the end of the day for that? Yeah. You could do that in Sonic with rings. I, I was wondering about that too. Yeah. Sonic, Sonic has some variations where um, you never, where you. You either never jump or you or how how many jumps can you or how minimal jumps you can get through or you never take the top path you always take the bottom path as an example um so you I might ask it. yourself yeah. where can you see some of these uh where where can you see some of these well i'm glad you asked um so i want to take a moment as well because i talked about speed running to also talk about streaming in twitch so you so in our modern digital age, we understand streaming as 
Netflix, Spotify, right. Disney Plus, Hulu. Basically, we don't own this physical media, but we are. But through this, we have access to it. Through through a payment method, we have access to view subscriptions. These, these yeah. subscriptions. Like, so we, you know, if you have like, um, so if you have like HBO Prime or HBO Plus or Prime yeah. or whatever it's called, yeah. you have the ability to watch Game of Thrones, even though you don't own Game of Thrones. You've just license the ability to watch it for a period of time yeah um and so that's what we can that when, so when i talk about streaming that's what i talk about streaming so um if you're watching something via netflix you're streaming because you don't own it on you don't own right. it and you're paying literal money to to gain access to it uh, versus like something like on youtube which that's not streaming because on youtube that content's meant to be there forever and free to gain so long as it's not gated by a paywall right you're not you're not paying anything and it's always there to exist you watch uh, an ad absolutely. you pay for it with your time you pay for it with your time yeah yeah in some cases not all the time with an ad you may just it just may be there yeah, depending on, on what seven. it is yeah so um to talk about that though is to talk about twitch now twitch um is a primarily is a video streaming service right. that's free for everybody and what it primarily does is it allows video gamers to stream their video game plays online. You're so, laughing. Twitch plays Pokemon. Ever... Twitch plays Pokemon, apparently. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so basically what Twitch is is that it lets you show whatever it is, the video game that you're playing, and then it gives you a chat box inside that allows you to interact with your with um, the people that are watching it. Now you can have now when you play the video game, you can have it where um, you can talk while you're playing, so you can explain what you're doing or when you're doing it. Right. You can have a certain interface that interface um, that lets you have um, that shows a picture of you playing at the same time, and then also has like little details about what's going on. Uh, I'm actually familiar f uh, with this from seeing it done. We saw it at, at Fanime. We've seen it at Fanime. Um, if you ever got You've to watch, seen it a lot. If you ever got to do Desert Bus, that's where they primarily do that on Twitch. Yeah. Um, and it's a great little element um, that lets people watch what other people are doing. And sometimes, as an example of Twitch plays Pokemon, the chat has can literally do the inputs for Pokemon as well. There's a interface that lets them um, you say commands, and it lets the it translates it to controller inputs. It's it buffers crazily and it's weird, but it's sometimes kind of fun to watch people play. It's, it's Twitch so, plays Pokemon is like watching three thousand play players play Pokemon at, all at once. The same game. The, the same, same game. game. Yeah. At the same time. All at the same time. Oh oh no, no, oh! Not, not playing their own game. Playing them. Playing play simultaneously. Yeah, they're all they're all playing the same game. So so if I wanted to play World of Warcraft, I could like be World of Warcraft in something like that. You could do. You, there's a lot of people that actually play World of Warcraft for on Twitch. There's a lot of people that just play themselves leveling or have interesting commentary on it. I find Twitch most interesting when it's people I like watching play video games. So people that either have uh, funny expressions or interesting interesting comments on games, like especially when it's game designers who explain why this is such or. Uh, people who have um, or so, interesting so personalities. Can you follow a, a specific person on Twitch? Yes, you can. You can follow. They have channels like YouTube, so they call them channels. Oh God, I'm I'm really good at, at intuiting what, what you want, where you want to go. Because uh, 
you know, it seems to me like if you liked a particular person and how they played, I want to subscribe. I want to somehow subscribe or follow that person, and like you, like and, following somebody on Instagram or something. And you can. And so, if you subscribe to somebody, you can actually pay them like a couple bucks a month. And in a lot of cases, you're like four or five bucks a month. Okay. Um, and part of that money goes to Twitch, and the other part of that goes to the content creators. Right. And um, I know, for my personal example, um, and the people I link to. On the podcast in the last in the last blog blog post on it on our uh-huh. website uh, was a group called Loading Ready Run and so it's a collection of about we've used them before yes yeah, so there's yeah. about um, ten to eleven I think maybe twelve people that are in that are a part of that team and they all will occasionally and they all have kind of their own little um, time slots on their channel which they play games at in some cases they're all playing the same game or they're playing Magic the Gathering or they're um, one of them is playing like just playing Minecraft, while another person is working through like Final Fantasy Seven. Yeah. Um, in in other cases, there are, um, as an example here, one of the most popular uh, Twitch players since it was originally actually got off Twitter. Twitch as Twitch as of the last month, uh, within the last uh, year here, is a gentleman by the name of Ninja. He played um, first person shooter games professionally and regularly had people watching him play professionally. Um, he would regularly make about a hundred thousand dollars a month playing. Wow! Because he would have, because he had a collection of about fourteen. Now, do you can you pay to play against him or with him or? I don't know if you would. Ha- I don't know what the that would have to depend on everybody and in individual terms. Yeah. I know a lot of Twitch players that just play with random with random people constantly, or other people play as part of the. Uh, like a group of people they call a clan or they play yeah. all together in together in that sort of sense or they just play with certain people. Um, but as an example, again, um, I, if you want to play with that particular person, I, I don't know what the process for that is in a lot of cases. Some people okay. will offer to pay to play with a person like that or they might do a, here's this invite code, come into the channel. Um, my favorite things to watch on Twitch are actually um, the Jackbox party games. Because these are party games in which you have the audience can participate in the game as well, and they and they have sometimes even more control than the people that are on the actual game. Oh, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, no, Jackbox is amazing. They have all these great party games that you could play with, um, and I like it for a company function because you can have everybody in the company playing along, but you can have like the prime like executives or something being the major players, but you can have all the all the people in the audience playing along with them oh, that'd be fun. and you, and they have funny prompts and they have weird sort of give gimmicks um one of them is basically just fill in the blank who filled in the blank better which is a uh, quiplash um another game is basically you have to make up lies about somebody else on the internet so like somebody as an example somebody will give a response to something and then you have to make a new tagline for it you know, so oh, like, it'd the, be fun. so like, yeah. so like somebody might say, well, you know, like I loved the smell of cheese in the morning and somebody might say what Stalin said before he blew up something. So you make them sound horrible as a result, yeah. which is the intention. Um, and there's, so there's a lot of games like that. And I like those games a lot on Twitch because especially if you like the people who are playing it to begin with, it's funnier because a lot of those guys make in jokes about themselves. And I find that to be hilarious. Um, but Twitch also, uh, but Twitch doesn't just do video games. It does a lot of other things too. So it's got channels for um, 
arts and crafts. So let's so if you were a person that sews, for example, you could do sewing as a Twitch thing, um, or cooking. They do have um, knitting. Knitting as an example. <laughs> well, again, I mean, they yeah. have they have elements like that available. Um, they also have uh, cooking talk shows and podcasts kind of things like we are doing. Uh, there's even channels that are just devoted to just doing music reviews and stuff like that. Um, it's also a little bit of politics, but it's not as common on Twitch at all. Um, there's some people who broadcast their shows on Twitch and then uh, redo it for their own website, as an example. Um, the greatest one I like, though, is the the one I find kind of the most interesting is what they call uh, live casting. So you remember the Truman Show, right? Right. It's basically that. Oh, where you just kind of watch a person twenty four seven. Interesting. Okay. So, and that's actually how Twitch got started. It got started as a company called Justin TV, and the intention was to let people broadcast whatever they wanted to broadcast to as many people as they wanted at a time, with the intention of people that would be broadcasting their lives. And um, one of the great example was is that there was a person from Iraq who basically live casted their entire life during the course of the 2007-2008 Iraq war. Wow. And that was a very, and that was the kind of very interesting. There's a couple others that still exist. Um, clearly video games became the most popular thing on yeah. Justin TV and they eventually split it to uh, Twitch to just cover all the video game stuff. And then in 2014, they were um, preparing to merge with Google at one point. Google was going to buy, it was going to acquire them. Um, and so they, basically move everything from justin.tv to Twitch and rebranded themselves as Twitch Incorporated. Um, but what ended up happening is Amazon ended up buying Twitch. Oh, interesting. So now if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually subscribe to uh, at least one uh, YouTube, or one Twitch pro program, and the Twitch and the Twitch person will get that money instead. Oh, that's kind of so, cool. Yeah, and that comes with Amazon Prime. There's a lot of cool elements with Amazon Prime because they've gotten... Um, also involved with another company called Curse, which did a lot of, um, which was big into video game communities in general. So they were big for like World of Warcraft, Counter Strike, and a lot of other games as well. And so now, what's really kind of interesting is that you go onto Twitch, and they give you, they literally give you a, if you're a member of Amazon Prime, they give, give you a scroll down. It's like, oh, if you're playing any of these games, here's some freebies for these games. Oh, that's cool. Or here cool. are some free games. Yeah. Oh, so, that's very cool. So yeah, so if you're into like Fortnite as an example, they might have a once a month they might give away some sort of special skin or some sort of special loot bonus or something um, on there, which is kind of fun and neat. That is cool. Twitch also is a big sport sponsor of esports, and esports are just what they sound like. They're professional video game players. Usually though, they're usually for multiplayer games primarily. Um, so it, that you can have competition. So you can clearly have competition, and it might be either like a shooters. Sh there's a lot of there's a lot of first person shooters, fighting games. Um, there's card games, oddly enough, with the uh, Hearthstone and Magic: The Gathering. Um, there's some battle royal games like uh, Fortnite and PUBG, um, as well as some real time strategy games like StarCraft. Um, and usually it's either games in which you might have like a one-on-one -on -one sort of experience or uh, one or 10 versus 10 team sort of sort of things. Anything in which you would have a tournament bracket on there. Okay. Um, and there's a lot of games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike, Overwatch, Super Smash Brothers, uh, Hearthstone, Call of Duty that are being played as professional esports. 
Um, what I actually found kind of interesting is that they're actually being recognized by the Olympics. Oh, that's because that's not an athletic sport. It's not. Um, <laughs> they've been recognized by the Olympics as a as a potential sport for including in the Olympics. Uh, the trick, obviously, is what what game and what patches and stuff like that, because that's clearly something that changes over time. Yeah. Um, which is a bit of a problem for speedrunners nowadays, especially with newer games, because the advent of patches that update games, games are not always in the same state all the time. So if you have like a high score on, like, say, Super Mario 64, and then they change an element of it, well, your score is not valid anymore because that was during the old version, not the new version. I, I, I deal with a different version of that, and that's that when uh, when I when I teach, I'll go to conferences and I'll teach how to use a particular brand of software. Mm -hmm. And um, we all need to agree, I need to turn in materials months in advance, but the versions may change. Yeah. And then I'm having to redo materials and having to... To get it approved all over again. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm real familiar with last-minute version changes. What I also found kind of interesting, and I knew I knew about this because of Overwatch, um, that Overwatch did this cool thing where they have cities that are promoting their own um, teams for Overwatch. So you right. have, like, Los Angeles versus Seattle versus Chicago versus Phoenix versus, like, yeah. Austin. Um, but a lot of what's actually going into this is actually colleges. In colleges right now, at least 130 different schools, and we're talking about higher education colleges, yeah. have an esports program of some nature at them, which is kind of interesting. And that might be from people either as a full time course or like as a side course or, sort of thing, or an intramural. Yeah, well, not not just intramural, like actual like preparing Class. people for professional video games. Wow. You know, which would again very interesting. I, I don't want to pay for that major. No, I don't either. I think I, well, it's 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 like for them. I think it's more like joining a club, like um, like you would like a baseball club or something like okay. that, maybe All or right. or maybe like you get you get a, you get a scholarship for esports, but you're real real you're really going for like a business major, but you just happen that this is just how you pay for for school. Okay. So it's All not right. yeah, it's in much the same way they would treat like you know. Like basketball, like you get a okay. basketball scholarship. So, so, so I have I, I, I want to suggest as a future topic that we talk about professional gamers because I I would really like to to understand how you make doing this professional. Well, um, there's a couple different ways, and in, in a lot of in. Oh, I think it's a topic for a future podcast. Oh, absolutely, I think, I we think it'd be interesting. I could definitely I can definitely score scour, uh, scour some stuff on there on that because it is it is kind of an interesting topic as professional gamers. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about all this additional other stuff beyond the Marios? Well, so so I you know I, I really enjoyed playing and and on the Switch that was that was fun because it really is this little pixelated creature. It really is. Yeah, and and it, it very much harkens back to uh, the the early nineties, I think. Mm -hmm. Um. So, you know. It's been interesting to watch it all sort of evolve. Um, yeah, yeah, that's one know, of the having, more interesting. Having, yeah, having seen it from the small handhelds, and then you, you all had Game Boys, and and we had the GameCube. What did we? You had the GameCube, and then I think you got a Wii eventually. Yeah, and um, and uh, you know, and and we were had Rockstar, and we're doing that for a while, which is a whole different, a whole different genre, but a whole just different as fun. genre. Okay. Um, 
and all having having experienced that and then seeing what it's become and um seeing how they've developed and i'm i'm really interested in in also the idea of how you monetize these things because you either have it in your home or now you have all sorts of ways to monetize it by having it online Mm-hmm. And 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 in so many different formats too. We could do it. I could, we could almost do another podcast on that as well. Wait, because you have well, you have all the Facebook games. Mm-hmm. You have all the games that you can now do- download on your iPad and that sort of thing. Yes. Angry Birds. I can remember ten years ago being on a flight and walking, walking back to the bathroom and and walking back to my uh, my seat. And I like bulkheads, so I'm I'm like going almost the whole distance of the plane. And and every single row had somebody playing Angry Birds. Yep, I played the Angry Birds at one point. Yeah, um, so so having seen it evolve into something that was on my phone was a phone app, something that's on um, Facebook and other other sites like that, mm-hmm. and then something's available online like we play World of Warcraft, um, and all the di- and then you have the the things like a Switch, which is more. What I originally was familiar with was something that you you bought a cartridge, stuck it in, and played from. Yes. Um, it I I would have never foreseen its evolution. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I I can agree. Yeah, it's, it's certainly gone in a in a far different way than I thought. Well, I mean, games would go. I mean, I mean, a little known fact, you used to test games for Namco when you were 12, 13, 14 years old. I did, and I figured out how to for, cheat in them, too, which is what they didn't want me knowing. Well, but that's why they were hiring you. And, and <laughs> so, so you were a, a, a paid video game tester, and they liked you very much. Yes. They had you back and back and back and back and back. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it helps we're in Silicon Valley, but um, but that was something you, you sort of lucked into. And... Um, and and so you've always kind of been. I'll, I'll tell you about a war story I did for one summer when I tested video games for a summer. Okay. That, um, you you think of testing video games as. And you were testing for Namco. When I was twelve, but this yeah. was in college. So oh, okay. I, when I was in college, um, I went to Cal Poly Pomona, which was very close to Irvine, which is where a lot of video, which a lot of. ESA and a lot of video game companies are at. Yeah. Um, because it's down south, it's in a nice area. They have a lot of campus spaces. It's like Irvine's like little Silicon Valley is, is yeah. the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, and I remember playing a first person shooter and I must have played this game for about a month before I just couldn't do it anymore. I was I they liked me because it was good at explaining what happened and what, when it would happen. And you get the idea that you're testing a video game thinking, oh, well, I'm going to test a video game and I'm going to I'm going to play this entire game and I'm going to make it a better game. No, my job was to jump on every single object in the game. And my job was to test every single time I jumped on objects um, to see whether they had the proper collision on them or not. Well, so, failure analysis. Fail, failure analysis, absolutely. But there was also times in which if certain items were placed in a certain way, Sometimes they would cause you to fail on that, and you had to figure out how it happened and when it happened. What were the chain of chain of sequence of things mm-hmm. that you did that caused it to happen? Yeah, so you'd write this detailed report about when it happened, and then you would start the game back up and try it again to make sure you did it. And you could be where... If you could replicate it. Well, you would have to replicate it. Yeah. And so it might be one of these cases where you had to get all the way to the end of the game, having done all this other minutia of stuff, just the test to see to make sure this worked again. 
But it's interesting to me that they would go to that extent. Well, yeah. Because failure analysis is huge in software. Mm-hmm. But mind you, it wasn't just me doing this. This was probably another 100 plus people doing this as well. And they were doing other stuff. Like one guy was just testing rockets had to be shot at every single, every, from every single location at everything in the map. Yeah. To test to make sure that the rockets hit everything properly. That there wasn't a pixel out of alignment that the rocket could go through and then would go through the geometry of like a, like a wall or something. Yeah. Yeah. So there were there were game there were elements like that like well, this was a lot of hours for like minimum wage what was at the time so like it was not a job I did again um, but it was certainly like an interesting job. Well, for, I think for it, the period of time that it was any any number of, of of times that your father has gone around to his seventh grade class and said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" So many of them want to be game designers or game mm-hmm. testers, and I'm thinking. Geez, I have a son who did that. It wasn't that fun. Well, not so much. It's not that it wasn't fun. It's that um, everyone thinks they're going to be the guy that creates the next Mario, or is going to be yeah. the guy that makes all these cool gameplay elements. Um, and then they forget the fact that there has to be somebody in there that programs all this stuff. Uh, one yeah. of my favorite YouTube channels that I'm watching right now is a graphic designer who who goes through video games describing the UI elements of a video game. And it's very interesting because um, he does this thing called good design, bad design, where he talks about good UI design versus bad UI design. It's, it's especially in either menus or game screens or uh, even just like logos and fonts in some cases. Like it, it, it's, it's fun to watch because you look at it and you're just like, now I look at games in which, like, huh, is this intuitive lookout or is this not an intuitive lookout? Like, well, that's back different... to that whole cognitive science thing. Mm-hmm. No, again, which is huge. Oh, absolutely. Um, but no, again, I think it's a great idea that we can do another episode about the financials of video games because mm-hmm. there is um, a lot of ways to, as a as a gamer, make money off of video games. Um, but there's also another, but video games are also have done a, especially the last. A decade or two have done a great way of trying to find ways to continue to make money off of video games even after they've been released. Well, I mean, if you think about it, and so, so I, I'm going back to the the Facebook example. If you re, if you remember back probably seven eight years, you had the whole Farmville thing, mm-hmm. where where people were suddenly realizing that they were amassing huge bills playing this stupid game. Yes, and. Um, and, and they were shocked by the bills that they were amassing. And um, they had Farmville and Frontierville, and there were several versions of it. And um, and then it disappeared from the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. People are still playing Candy Crush, but... Yeah. It... I mean, it'd be interesting to me to see how how things are monetized on different formats. I And I can bring that for you. Yeah. That'll be a great idea. That's a great topic for our next podcast. Okay. So, um, but I think now is a, this is a good place to stop this one. Yeah, no, so, really enjoyed Mario. Enjoyed the fact, you know, and again, even play Mario Kart, which is a, a fairly newer game. Oh, no, Mario Kart's been around since Super Nintendo. Oh, has it? Really? Oh, it's been around for a very long time. It's, I'm only familiar with, with whatever I'm playing it on at, at Mark's. That would probably be on the Switch. Yeah. Switch or the, or the Wii U at the, if, if he had it at that point. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I love I love the fact that it's, pre- it, 
it's it's charmingly predictable. It mm-hmm. stayed the same. Oh yeah, no Mario Kart's been one of those great games that, outside of the courses, the games have been the exact same games for the last. I love um, that for the last basically decade. It's charming. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So we'll have all these notes, and I'm going to share a couple more things on speedrunners. I'm going to have. Um, what I'll do is I'll give an example of a speedrunner, and then I'm going to try to find another uh, task uh, or tool assistant speedrun as well that I can put up on to um, there as well um, onto our blog at nerdtutorialpodcast.com. And so it's where you can find all of our show notes and all the different videos and elements we have on there. Um, you can also follow us with the discussion on facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. Uh, where I do post up different kind of reviews and stuff. There's a couple, there's a, quite a bit of anime I've watched over this last month. Oh, fine. So I might be uh, leaving some reviews there. Um, one of these days I'll talk to you about the Fate series. Oh, fun. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite anime series of all time. Um, but then as well, you can follow us at nerd underscore tutorial on the Twitters. And if you, uh, we're following all the different topics that we have that we've also covered. So we're covering Mario, we're covering Batman. Um, we're also covering cosplay, zombies, and all of our previous topics, topics. that we've had before. Wrestling. So any, wrestling. They're wrestling in Florida. Yeah, and I have mixed opinions on that, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, on behalf of myself and my mom, we thank you so much for following with us here today. Um, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.